Pubcast listeners, and welcome back. Today's episode, we sit with my good friend, Mark Rucker, and we talk about his new advocacy role at SoundExchange and his real passion for NFTs. Let's just start off like you have a very interesting title and you're starting with a new company. So if you want to throw in a little background and then explain to us, what is your role at SoundExchange? Let's just get it going. Yeah. So I guess I'll just answer that question first um, before I go in the background, just so people have an idea. Um, so my role at SoundExchange as uh, manager of industry engagement is I really do a lot of outreach to artists, uh, producers, rights owners, and to let them know um, one way or another, like, hey, we have royalties for you, or you should know that these royalties exist. Um, there's a a lot of people that are not aware of what we do or how we do it. And it is a, um, it's for me, my background is in management. I started in artist management and business management. So I had exposure to sound exchange 15 years ago. So, or 12 years ago, essentially. So um, it's, uh, it's kind of full circle for me to have that experience and then also to see it where I am now, because I, I know the perspective of people that aren't aware of it. And I know the perspective of how you can use it in the best way possible to, you know, build your artistry, um, work with your clients, uh, figure out how to get paid in the music business. Um, I mean, like I said, my, my first job in the music business was business management. Uh, it was totally by accident. I did not plan that. And I didn't really know if I wanted to do it, but it was the only job offer I had coming out of college. And, uh, you know, once you do it for a, a couple of years, you start realizing like, wow, like this is how money's made or how it's spent in the music business. Um, you know, and that was 12 years ago. So a lot's changed, right? That was pre-streaming. That was a lot of downloads and things like that. But that's when SoundExchange really started making waves in a lot of ways. Um, and then, yeah, I went to artist management and I was at Crush. And then I was obviously with you at Parallel for a little bit. And then I just left Big Loud. I worked with a guy named Chris Lane and Mackenzie Porter. Um, and just a quick example, uh, you know, obviously during the pandemic, a lot of people had... Uh, you know, a lot of things canceled, brand partnership shows, a bunch of different stuff. But I will say Sound Exchange was the one check that we could count on every single month that would come in. Um, and that was something that I found really valuable. And like I said, as somebody that's seen it work and knows how know how it works from the management side, I was like, I want to be able to share this with everybody. So that's why I'm here. Let's just start and keep this real basic to kick it off. Who gets sound exchange money and what exactly is it they're collecting? You say there's money on the table and I'm aware, but I know as you just stated that so often when I bring up sound exchange, they're like, what is that? So maybe start off with what is sound exchange? Right. So sound exchange is basically a, um, I mean, it's basically essentially a PRO in a lot of ways, if you want to look at it in a, in a publishing kind of way. Um, but we only collect royalties from non-interactive digital radio, which we really look at those as the main ones are like Pandora, Sirius XM, Music Choice, but there's about 3,000 vendors, 3,500 3, vendors worldwide that pay into this license um, because anything that's over the internet and it's on basically radio internet, um, they pay a royalty to us for that. And that's actually a performer royalty. So artists have royalties out there that they are pretty much unaware of. Um, so artists, producers, rights owners are the three main people that we work with um, every day to try to get them paid. Um, very similar to like what BMI or ASCAP does for songwriters and publishers. That's what we do on the other side for performers and rights owners. 
Um, you know, half of my job has been seeing our list of people and reaching out to them and saying, Hey man, you have money in here. I want to help get it to you. Um, like literally 50% of my job is trying to help that, that, that along using my contacts, using my experiences to try to get in touch with people, explain to them how this can work, how it benefits them, those types of things. And then the other half is advocacy. Um, so obviously another thing that we just kind of went through the last, um, I guess probably like four or five weeks ago, there was a house judiciary committee about the um, American Music Fairness Act, basically doing exactly what we do, but for AM and FM radio. Um, that's going to be a brand new thing. And we're hopeful that that will get passed. But um, but yeah, so we're in the fight for that too. So basically adv advocating for creator rights is a big thing that I do. Um, and that, you know, has come a long way because of, you know, basically everyone in my life is an artist, a writer, a producer, a manager, whatever it is, they're all connected to creativity. And so I was like, all right, I want to be on this side of it now. So to clarify, because I like to play the knucklehead uh, yeah. of, of this thing, this is really not necessarily for songwriters. If you're just a songwriter, you're already taken care of through your your PROs and generally your publisher to collect your royalty streams. This is more for the voices and the ones that create the sound recordings, technically. And that's the flow that this money pile of money is going out to, correct? Absolutely. And so, and I will say like, it is funny, you know, being on a, on a podcast talking about this, but I do think a lot of writers aren't just writers anymore. They're producers, they're track guys, they're, you know, they're, they're singing on tracks, they're adding background vocals. That's another thing. We do have a 5% fund that goes to the musicians that are the backing tracks that goes to the, uh, the musicians union as well. So the royalty system is set up for artists and, 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 uh, rights owners. But at the same time, like, like I said, I, I know everybody's doing everything these days. And, um, I feel like that's why you get a lot of people that aren't aware of this. Um, a lot of writers that have hits that they're singing on and they just kind of, I would say accidentally kind of didn't know that this was a thing. They had no idea that they have a royalty out there that's sitting in there waiting for them. Say I'm hearing you this podcast. I'm like, well, how do I do that? It, I would assume there's a website or is there a pro what's the process of making sure you're registered the right way? So, yes, we do have a website and that's exactly where you can register. It's super uh, basic in a lot of ways. Literally, you just go to the soundexchange.com and click register and you can click register as an artist, register as a rights owner. Some, uh, some people are obviously doing both. A lot of people are doing both. And I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of the things that I, most of the questions I'm getting more so now are more from producers because there's a lot of letters of direction. There's a lot of questions that come with that, how that works, um, how to get those updated, how to get those submitted, um, those types of things. Um, another thing that I was going to say is that it's a performance royalty. So if you have a band and there's four members, each member has to sign up, not just the band. So like if we take the Beatles as an example, all four members are members of Sound Exchange and they all individually get paid on that royalty. You're a, you know, a, a, a solo artist. Obviously, it's a little bit easier. But another thing a lot of people don't think about is when you do features. So say it's, you know, uh, like I said, I worked with McKinsey, the Dustin Lynch single that just went really well. Um, she's a feature on that. She, re she receives a Sound Exchange royalty for being that featured performer on that as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So I want to back up right here because you mentioned something. I always like to make sure we define uh, terms for some that may not know. Uh, so you said letters of direction. If, can you explain a little bit what that means uh, for those that may not understand what you're referring to when you say a letter of direction? Yeah. So essentially, the, the majority of the time when it's used, it's used for producers when they are getting a royalty from sound exchange or anything like that. And so 
we don't know what deals are being done, you know, within walls that we're not a part of, right? And so the only way to get that allocated to producers for their points, their royalty points uh, through Sound Exchange is through letters of direction. I highly recommend anybody that's that's listening to this, like when you're in the studio, we used to sign the letters of direction while you're in the studio because it's just easier. Everybody's together. It's done. No problem. But a lot of people will wait until the song comes out and then you're trying to backtrack. And I mean, everybody's done that and we all do that all the time. But if you're trying to really stay in front of this, those are that's the easiest way to do it. But a letter of direction really just tells us this is what the royalty rate is that goes to this person, which is typically a producer. Sometimes it's somebody different, um, but most of the time it's just a producer. Well, let's talk a little bit about rates. Like, what 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 kind of income are we looking at with Sound Exchange? Uh, is it a percent? Is it a flat rate? Is it a per spin? How is this broken down? Um, let us pull the curtain back and show us the math behind this. Yeah, so I I would say this. But so before I joined Sound Exchange, I, I like I said, I had a lot of experience in business management and signing artists up and seeing these checks roll in, and I'm like, man, like how is this so much? And like how like how does this work? Because how are people not talking about this more? That that type of conversation, right? Um, but more so recently, like I said, during um, during like quarantine and stuff, you really start to notice where the checks are coming from and how big they get, and you know, you really are paying attention to every single penny, and so. During that time, I did a lot of research with Sound Exchange because I reached out to them and I said, "Hey, how does this work? How do you how do you know what you're going to get paid? Who's paying it in? You know that type of stuff." Um, and so it really depends. Obviously, listenership is a big deal. That's a that's a big thing that on any radio, regardless of what it is, but listenership matters. The other thing I would say matters is um, obviously how many times it's spun. That is a big deal. Um, however, I will say I have seen royalty rates up to $25 to $30 per spin. So when I talk to artists and I talk to uh, you know, producers or anybody that's in this field that you're kind of like saying, like, hey man, like I really do think you should maybe focus a little bit on these Pandora playlists and focus on the Sirius XM stuff because it, it does actually return direct to you, not hey, yeah, it goes to five different companies and then it gets to you. It goes directly into your account. And if you sign up, and if you sign up for a um, direct deposit, you get paid every single month. Every thirty days, you'll get a check, assuming it's over ten dollars. Which um, a lot of artists that are signed to labels or getting these opportunities on SiriusXM or whatever are well over ten dollars. Um, but if you're not, you can get paid quarterly, um, which obviously is a little bit bigger checks. But at the same point, I've seen artists making upwards of. I mean, some of the biggest artists are making five figures, mid five figures, every single month. And I've seen life uh, style changing money where you're looking at a thousand bucks a month for a younger artist who's really starting out. But when you're looking at that and you're like, it's just added royalties to what you're already doing. And from like the management side where I was previously at, it was the easiest, you know, 12 grand a year we would make because we didn't have to do anything different. We, this was just a royalty that was coming in for the work we were already doing. So like to compare with like a PR, I know at PROs for their performance income that they go chase, they, you know, they go to live venues, they go to clubs, they go to, you know, theme parks, they collect their money from all varieties of that. Who all is paying into the pot of sound exchange? Who do you guys go to pursue to make sure that royalty is coming to you? So the main biggest, the biggest ones are like a Pandora is a really big one. Obviously Sirius XM is a big one. And then music choice is the other like really big one. And um, I was going to say, I'm, I'm looking on our, I'm looking at our, our sheet here. Cause I'm like, 
I feel like there's some other big ones that I'm, I'm missing, but there's about 3,000 vendors that, that have this license worldwide. And so when they pay into that, obviously it means that whenever they play the, play the songs, that's, that's great. But even like online radio, that's another thing that people don't think that there's a royalty for that. Right now, there's not an, F, there's not an FM, AM radio uh, royalty for artists or rights owners. But um, for online radio, there is. And that was part of like the digital side of music coming through Congress. And that's what the other thing is like, I, we get so many different responses from people of like, well, I didn't ask you to collect my royalties or whatever, whatever you could think, you know, people are unaware of this. And it's like, no, Congress told us to do this. This is something that is set by the, by Congress, essentially the um, copyright board saying like, this is what this royalty rate is. This is how much this costs. That's why we go to them and advocate for all creators. And that's why we're a part of a lot of different things that are coming up. Obviously, even the, um, you know, even like the, a lot of the songwriter stuff that David Israelite is part of, we're a big part of that as well. And because we're a part of all creators, everybody's all connected in this and we're all trying to do um, something better as we go. There's obviously more new, interesting ways to see income streams. And I know you're a fan. And I know you're dying to talk about some NFTs and I am, I am a NFT newbie. I don't still trying to wrap my head around it. Do you see this becoming a, 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 a value add to the music business? Cause what, maybe you have some insight. What I know we're struggling with is how to actually license the music part. I get the whole art side and the, the, that part, but how do you license music in there? And this is why it hasn't been done because we are definitely talking about it here at the label side at Big Machine. Sure. There, we're, we are offering up NFTs, but they're usually, you know, arts or images or stagnant things. It's not the music yet. So do you, you want to jump into this whole deep end of the pool and talk to me about what you're thinking? Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm a big proponent of them. I think um, I, I would say this, any, any, are any, artists should be considering this as an opportunity for them because what nfts really are are access to communities so when you really think of it that way um you know obviously we, you could talk about the nfts you hear about or the board apes or the you know whatever what the crypto punks those types of things why, why people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on those is not because of the cool picture or whatever it is it's access to this community that puts on these events or is a really active community on Discord that gives you access to a lot of different things that you wouldn't even expect. And I mean, when you're talking about all these celebrities that are, have bored apes, you have Jimmy Fallon that's a part of your Discord. And like, you have opportunities that are just coming up that are very unnatural to us. And I think for music, music is a natural community builder, right? So people have been building artists or building communities around artists for decades. The issue is that we have really been able to capitalize on it like really like we miss out on so much revenue because we don't have an actual way to get direct revenue from fans that want to support them so what i mean by that is i'm a, right currently i'm a big fan of like patrick droney and i like i just love his stuff i think it's great and i'm like supporting him and it by you know listening to his songs and do all that stuff of course go to his shows merch great Guess what? That's all I can do. But at the end of the day, what I would love to do, instead of just you know trying to travel to every show when he's in New York or Boston or wherever he is, what I'd rather do is say, hey, man, I'll buy your NFT, be an early investor, 
And then as you rise, I want to be a part of your, your team and like who you are and like who, who this is like, be like the super fans. Um, and, and I, I guess currently I I'm interested because like, like a Spotify, the only reason why it's 10 bucks a month is because that's the best way for them to get the most subscribers. It does not have anything to do with how much artists or labels or anybody are making. It's about how many subscribers they're getting. Right. So my issue is like, why can't I just say like, Hey, Spotify, I'll pay the 10 bucks a month. But what if I want to put 10 bucks extra to 20 bucks a month total and put 10 bucks just to him because I want to support him for this month or for this year, that type of thing. There's not an apparatus for me to do that. And I think and when I'm looking at that, I know how hard it is to be an artist these days. I don't support every artist, but I want to support the top five or 10 that I really love. That's what I want to do. That's how that's, I feel like that's what NFTs can really do. Um, they open artists up to direct, um, communication, uh, community building with fans. So explain to me, Mark, in a, in a real world example, what you think you, how you would use an NFT for, uh, and I like that we'll just use independent artists again, uh, just to keep it clean without any other rights owners. But like, how would you use that in a way that would create the engagement in a way for them to be uh, supportive of you? Right. So the, this, the most similar thing that we have in the Web2 space right now is, uh, is probably Patreon. It's a good example of what it could look like. However, you are still just paying in, you know, 10, 20 bucks, 50 bucks a month or something like that. The difference is what this could look like is I could basically own a membership to this artist, you know, Discord or whatever it is. It's token gated. So basically, I don't get what's behind this gate unless I own this NFT. So that could be anything behind that gate could be, you know, demos that I'd be interested in. You know, they could jump on a Discord call every week and I could be on the phone with my favorite artist every single week, you know, Monday at 3 p.m. That's what we do. And we just jump on for an hour and that's 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 how we connect. Um, and I think in a general sense, how I would run this is um, I would launch an artist with an NFT, probably start with, you know, 200 NFTs, something like that. And really see how it grows. Um, and especially it depends on how big your, your fan base is. Obviously, a lot of artists think of this as like a really big cash grab, which it could be. If you're an independent artist and you're trying to fund your career, it will fund you. There's there's actually currently there are people out there raising sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars by, by selling their NFT and then reinvesting it into their community. I think that there's great examples out there. There's a kid named Daniel Allen that's doing a great great job building a web three space. He's got 4,000 followers on Twitter. He's not signed to any label, but he's making more money than any artist. I think I know right now at this moment. And I'm just looking at that and going like, okay, does that look, how does that look long, like longevity wise? But at the end of the day, he's building a community of fans that invest in him. And then what he does is he turns back and he, he reinvests in the fan base. He says, what do you guys want to see? What do you guys want to hear? And we're all doing that in this, space already we're, we're already asking fans on tiktok what do you what are, we're trying to really get in front of them as much as we can but in the world of web 2 which um web 2 is what i would call you know facebook instagram spotify all that stuff the world of web 2 is always about more it's always about more likes more followers more views more, you know, more subscribers, more, 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 more. And then you get to those more. And then what do you need? You still need more, right? So, and then like, you know, monthly listeners, another great example, more, 
yeah, it's really, it's hard to go to, you know, 100,000 to 25 million monthly listeners. However, Web3 is going to be about enough. It's going to say, you know what? I don't need to do that because I make $130,000 a year doing just this for my super fans that support me. And then, yeah, I'll go on a tour and I'll do 30, 40 dates or something like that. But this is how I want to run my business. Not, I want to give up all of my rights to whatever I do now and however many years in the future. I don't want to do that. I would actually feel like I could motivate my fan base to invest in me so I can reinvest in them. And you just keep that reciprocation going. And then as the value rises as of as NFTs, the demand's gonna rise, right? So that's why you're seeing, like, like I said, the board ape community did not start off at five hundred thousand dollars of you know a NFT. It built to that because people bought into it. And I think you're seeing a lot of artists that are figuring out ways to get people to buy into them. And yeah, you're gonna see some bad apples out there. Some people are put some bad examples out there, but I do think there's more good people out there than there are bad. So um, that's why I'm excited about it. I do think that a lot of artists will be able to benefit. The AIMP Nashville Pubcast is hosted by yours truly, Tim Hunzey, executive producer, Travis Myatt, producer, Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. And this has been a Dime Collective production. 